Crimp, from the Dutch krimpen. Verb, to make wavy or add a wrinkly pattern. To fold or bend stiff leather or metal. To pinch or crease in order to seal, as around the rim of a pie crust. Noun, an addition that causes a problem, an unwanted wrinkle. Crimp. Mrs. Happity hurried the Pearl family into her office, cluck clucking and now nowing down a long hallway and left them there with a box of tissues. We all need a few minutes of privacy sometimes, she said, and gently shut the door. Sums and early stories spilled together, blurring and bending all of their hold fasts and hopeful words. Juby had fallen asleep on some shoulder so they could talk freely. You first, some began. She hated Early's lunchroom story. I'm so sorry this has happened to you, baby. Dash would feel terrible, too. One day, it'll be a tale to tell. And Early sure hated some story. When some and Juby arrived at the police station that morning, they were shown into a room with three officers, two of them detectives. Some was told immediately that there was a warrant out for Dash's arrest and the FBI was now involved. Thanks for coming in. You saved us a trip, one of the men said, his face twisting into an unfunny smile. What? Sam had wailed. Some had wailed. You're smiling at me? What kind of nightmare is this? I thought I was coming to you folks for help. Some then told Early the bad news. First, Mr. Pincer had told the detectives that no one by the name of Al worked on the sixth floor at Harold Washington, and that there was no bookseller, international or not, by the name of Lehman Scrub. He didn't exist. Second, the supervisor asked why anyone honest at the Chicago Public Library would ever be involved with selling books that valuable on the side or having them shipped to his home in the process. Whoa. Early whispered. Some went on. And that's when I started to see red. I said, and what if my husband didn't realize that this book business was illegal? If it even was? What if he trusted this person, Al, who, believe me, does exist? Or what if Al is a made-up name for a library page at History and Social Sciences for someone who's been breaking the law but wanted my husband to take the blame? For someone who's still there? And is it my husband's fault if this Lehman scrub person, the one who organized the whole thing, put a crimp in the works by using a fake name? We can, an officer began, but I told him. And has everyone forgotten that a group of three men and a woman, folks with pale skin and full body disguised, pushed me to the ground, threatened our 11-year-old daughter, and destroyed our apartment? They stole my wallet, our books, and a bunch of family notebooks. Does that not matter here? What happened to the laws that protect the innocent? Some shook her head as she told Early. The officer continued smoothly as if I'd only sneezed. We are hoping your husband turns himself in and can clear his name. Whoa, Early said again. Some held up her hand. Just wait, here's the slammer. One of the officers then asked me about jewelry. I told him that Dash and I only had wedding bands 
and that they weren't expensive gold. I showed him my hand. No engagement ring? The officer asked. We couldn't afford it, I said. We've been saving all these years for a home. <clears throat> the officer reached in a metal box sitting on the table and pulled out something tiny and held it up to the light. It sparkled. Ever seen this before? He asked me. Is it a diamond? I asked, squinting for a better look. Yes, quite small, but quite valuable. A stone probably cut for an engagement ring, but this is no ordinary stone. Using a laser to identify it, a jeweler in Chicago tells us this is a gemstone from the biggest diamond heist in history. The theft happened almost eight years ago in the European city of Antwerp in Belgium. Only one of the other thousands of stones taken that day has been recovered. This is the second giant news. So was he just trying to impress you or something? Early asked. Some paused. That's what I was wondering, too. Then Juby blurted out, I love Belgian waffles. Yeah, cream and syrup and sticky wicky fingers. And suddenly, I didn't know if I was laughing or crying. The detective glared at me and said, You won't be smiling when you hear the next part. Sticky is right. This stone was found on the floor in your apartment. When the police went through it, the mess again. One of the officers picked it up next to the broken coffee table. Some paused and blew her nose. I asked them right away if someone could have gotten in there and dropped the diamond to make Dash look bad. They ignored me. And of course, finding the stolen gemstone is what sealed the arrest warrant and made the whole darn book business look so bad. This is all just 1,000% insane. Early was stunned. Dash would never steal for us, would he? She whispered. Of course not, baby, never. Early could only nod. The dreadfulness of this whole day catching up to her. Sam was still talking, her voice now shaking. I realized something awful in that room today that when you're this poor and without money or an address, hardly anyone thinks you're worth listening to or helping. Just the words, living in a shelter, make you someone the police aren't too worried about, less than your average citizen when it comes to rights. And now that Dash is missing, the fact that he'd been a man with a job, a family, and a home doesn't seem to count. Seeing how excited the detectives were about that dumb diamond today, I knew they cared more about the stone than the man or us. Dang, Early said, swallowing hard. That's scary, her voice wobbled. Dash is going to be okay, right, Sam? Of course, baby, Sam said softly. Then she shook her head and sat up straighter, as if to pull them all together. Juby, now awake, said, Pow, pow, let's get those guys. Oh, Lord, don't talk like that, Sam said. Seriously, son, you're hearing an awful lot these days, and you need to stay quiet and polite in all of this. No gun talk. 
Don't want to make extra trouble for Dash. Some reached for her children's hand, so the three made a circle. She went on, and before Juby and I left today, one of the policemen told me that I shouldn't talk to anyone about the diamond. Not yet. So, you too, you know what that means. Zip the lip. Okay, Early said slowly. But why did they talk about it in front of Juby then? He's four, some said. Zip the lip, Juby promised, nodding so hard and fast his teeth rattled. How? He added, popping a finger in his mouth. Understand, son? Not a word about what we heard today. I'll be good, Juby nodded. Hey, Early said. I was saving this for later, but I did think of one person who might help us some. Remember Dash talking about Mr. Wave? Well, he's got a cell phone number. I asked a lady in the front in the office at school today to look him up at the Chicago Public Library directory. She's getting in touch to let him know that I'm Dash's daughter and to ask if I can call. Some reached over and pulled Early's head against her body. Well, who knows? You never give up, do you? She said and hugged her daughter so hard and long and hard that the zipper on her sweatshirt made a little print on Early's cheek. That evening, the three pearls ate without talking, even Juby. After dinner, as happened every Thursday evening, the shelter showed a movie against one wall in the main room. Anyone who wanted to watch could sit at the tables in the eating area. It was Peter Pan, an old version. The audience was quiet, happy to watch Tinkerbell, the flying lesson, and later on, the pirates. The story of Peter, the spunky boy without a home, the lost boys. It seemed like everyone in the shelter had come downstairs. And that night, after the three pearls had gone to sleep and a rising moon slipped rosy between broken slats in the shelter blinds, Early had a bizarre dream. Crimp. Psst, Early, wake up. Dash is leaning over her in the bunk, his fingers to his lips. She startles awake and reaches to hug him, a sob rising in her throat, but he steps back. Smiling, he says, I'm setting you and some and Juby free, out of reach. But how, Dash? Oh, I'm so glad you're home. That's the problem. I can't come home, not yet. We don't have one. Gotta figure that out. Have to research rhythms. Oh, but you know we will, Dash. You know one day we'll all head home like you always promised. You know we will. You can do it. You got everything you need. He takes another step back. Why can't you stay here with us, Dash? Please, you can't leave us again. As Dash melts into the snow, his finger to his lips, Early realizes the four of them are suddenly outside the shelter and standing in the street. She isn't cold. Turning her head with an effort, as if against pressure, she sees that Juby and Sum aren't really awake. They don't know where they are and can't see Dash. Dash is speaking. I'm going to show you how to fly. Raise your arms and you'll feel the strength come from a bright circle right in the center of your body. I'll see you at H-O-M-E. 
Just say the O in the middle and up you go. O, O. Suddenly, the three are up in the air, arms out in front, and Early can feel the lift, the hope in the wind. Somehow, she knows that Sum and Judy are with her and that she's doing what Dash wants her to do. The city below twinkles, hums, and grinds. Here, a car is honking. There, an ambulance speeds through a red light. As they fly, Early can see lights inside a few windows, a yellow curtain, a patch of stained glass, pigeons asleep on sills, people shuffling along a sidewalk. Heads are tucked against the cold. One figure pulls a cart. No place to go. Still moving, though, whispers an unfamiliar voice. Early wonders if she is overhearing strangers' thoughts. She knows they're heading home, as Dash said, and that the home they will land at will, oddly, have a brick-red roof and a broken chimney. An ember of worry glows inside her as she flies, worry that Dash won't make it. The moon shines huge and bright. Dash has told her what to do, but what did research rhythms mean? Research rhythms. Research rhythms. Early jolted awake, feeling Sam's hand on her shoulder. Did you see Dash? Early asked. We were flying. Early, baby, you were having a bad dream. Sum was up on one elbow, her voice groggy. No, no, a good one. And I know what to do, Early whispered. Sum said nothing but rubbed her daughter's back until her breathing leveled into sleep. Crimp. The moment Early's eyes opened in the morning, she wrote down her dream. First, she underlined research rhythms in black, counting the 15 letters. One plus five equals six. But then what? As she washed her face, she ran the two words through her head, noticing the re ri sounds. She brushed her teeth, the syllables foaming along, and wondered if Dash also had sounds running through his head in a steady beat, an invisible rhythm that kept time with everyday life. She was pretty sure he did. Mrs. Happity walked them to school again, but without Aisha, who had a bad cold. Early missed walking next to her new friend. They might have talked about last night's amazing dream. Instead, Early said good morning to each of the people she passed on the street who were asking for money. She looked up at their cool oyster shell sky and smiled. She knew now what it felt like to fly. It was like you could be friends with the wind, which whistled in a silvery current along the side of your body. You could steer simply by rolling one way or another. She wondered if her dream was only from seeing Peter Pan, but no, Dash had visited them last night. He had shown her how to leave the shelter with Juby and Sum and how to head home wherever that might be. He had spoken to her, and she knew that wasn't imagined. It felt as real as the buildings and people around her now. She walked into fifth grade that morning with her back straight, feeling almost like her old self. The class was huge and noisy. The teacher, Miss Chaff, a nervous woman, 
a nervous young woman with a buzz cut and a little kid voice, had barely noticed she had a new student this week. Early didn't mind. Less attention was a relief. Miss Chaff's teaching seemed mostly about handing out worksheets, seeing the work done quietly, and collecting the results. So far, they'd studied a list of spelling words that all began with dis, dissatisfied, dismay, dismiss, dismantle, which caught Early's attention as no other teacher she'd had ever selected words that way for a spelling lesson. Next came a map of the United States. Each state had to be labeled and spelled correctly. Early got Rhode Island, Arkansas, Massachusetts, and Tennessee wrong. At lunchtime, she made herself a sandwich, took it to the counter where you picked up forks and napkins and slipped it into her backpack. Then she hurried back to the office. Miss B is in a meeting, Early Space fell. Did she leave any message for Early Pearl or phone number? The person at the front desk shook his head. Early sat down in the hallway and ate her lunch. She drank from the water fountain and went into the library. Pulling out one of the fresh homemade notebooks, she printed Word Book on the cover. First, she looked up research, which had a French root, the work of a spy. Early smiled as she planted the word. Next came rhythm from Latin and Greek roots, any kind of movement with reoccurring strong and weak parts, an on-off beat as of sound and silence, a harmonious pattern. Langston would add that rhythm could be found flowing from a pencil tucked within a flower or humming outward from almost any engine. Could a gemstone have a rhythm? Something was missing in what she understood. Early could feel it. She glanced up to see a gray-haired figure with baggy clothes, wrinkled skin, and huge red ears, walking with a stick, a stiff-legged limp, and passed the library door. The man at the front desk spoke with him. Then there was an announcement over the school loudspeaker. Will Early Pearl please come to the office? Her heart pounding, afraid to believe this might be who she wanted it to be. Early put away her word book and stood as straight as she could. Help me, Dash, she said softly. Crimp. The man took two awkward steps toward Early and shook her hand. He was bony and pale, still cool from being outside, and she knew hers was sweaty. Well, hello, Early Pearl, he said, his voice a raspy whisper. Early forced herself to look up. The man was smiling and frowning at the same time. Something Early came to learn was a tactic. You couldn't help but focus on someone who seemed both mad and glad. Hello, hello, he growled, following that with a long, painful cough. Pardon, he gasped. Smoker's lungs. That's okay, Early smiled in blink. Thanks, Mr. Wave. Thanks for finding me. Mind if we talk someplace? Mr. Wave asked the man behind the desk. I was her father's teacher, and her father was one superlative student. I got a call from a Mrs. B who works in your office, and I want to hear the news. Superlative, 
early thought, as in Superman. Sure, no problem. How about in this meeting room here? It had a glass wall and a door that closed. Perfect, Mr. Wave and Early said in one voice, and this time Early got a relaxed smile from the older man, a smile that divided his face into parentheses of stubbly skin. His teeth, Early noticed, were brownish yellow. They sat, Early told. Mr. Wave crossed his arms on his chest and looked down while she talked, as if he knew that was easier for her than having a strange grown-up looking directly at her. Early filled him in on their family and all that had happened since that terrible day in January, minus the diamond news. She ended with a warrant out for Dash's arrest. There was a moment of silence. Early looked at her lap and then back up at Mr. Wave. Was he going to get up and leave? He uncrossed his arms and rubbed his eyes roughly with both palms, so hard that the skin took a moment to settle back into place. Pressing his hands flat on the table, he looked directly at Early. You are Dashiell's daughter, that's clear. Early nodded. He said that to me a lot. As she looked back at Mr. Wave, she noticed with a flash of fright that he had a dark mole on one eyelid, just as the man with the mask had. The man who had lifted her up and said scary things. That is a silly coincidence, she said to herself quickly. Silly. That means, Mr. Wave was saying, that you will understand what I have to tell you. Dreams matter, but they aren't always to be shared. Early was startled. He couldn't know about her dream last night. She nodded again. Now he was doing the mad glad expression. I mean, Mr. Wave rasped on, that your father may have shared more dreams than was wise at the library. It's a public place, a big place. Anyone can enter and anyone can listen. He was, I mean, is, is a brilliant young man, one with such a good mind that it must have been noticed, possibly for the wrong reasons. The question is, by whom? Suddenly, Mr. Wave was on his feet and pacing, taking uneven steps, first one way and then the other. He moved amazingly well for such an unhealthy-looking man, and one with a serious limp. Early thought of the Treasure Island pirate with one leg. Coercion, he muttered. Some form of coercion. Early wasn't sure if he was talking to her. What did the word mean? History and social sciences. Mr. Wave stopped abruptly. That's where, but why? Why did he trust them? Early didn't know what to say, or even if Mr. Wave was talking to her. She shrugged a small movement, movement just to let him know she was listening. Probably for predictable reasons. The thrill of unauthorized complicity and an opportunity to glean using intelligence. Participation is a given, but will have to be circumspect, Mr. Wave was now saying. It's obvious that your father stepped into something even he, with his faceted outlook, didn't read correctly. Or perhaps he simply didn't see it. A key element was hidden, 
a deliberate crimp that covered a clue, a shower of words to plant in the word book. Early then realized what he'd said, participation. Can I come to the library? She asked. He answered by not answering, saying only, one step ahead, I knew it. Early was beginning to understand what Dash had said about Mr. Wave. He scattered the pieces, but didn't look back to see what you did with them, as if he knew you'd figure things out. He saw how her father, a boy, might never have forgotten. What she didn't exactly see was how Mr. Wave could be so willing so quickly to help her now. She knew Dash was special, but something about all this felt too easy, too fast. Some would sort it out, she told herself. You'll have to meet my mother, she said. Mr. Wave nodded, as if Early had been making small talk about the weather. The sum of the parts, he muttered to himself, quite brilliant. Early felt almost dizzy, but suddenly lighter. Again, a bubble of hope was rising inside of her. Can you come to the shelter? Early asked, then wished she hadn't. After all, he'd just come to the school to find her and only had a day after she had left a message. If you have time, she added. Real time I don't have, but time for you I do, he said. I'll be there after dinner tonight. We eat at, Early began. Oh, I know, Mr. Wave said. Never forget. He turned left the room and lurched down the hall at an amazing speed. Early sat for a moment in the conference area, wondering how to think about what had just happened. She opened her word book and wrote down coercion, simplicity, circumspect, glean, faceted, crimp. Some were familiar, some not, but these were the six he'd emphasized. The bell rang, and she couldn't get back to the dictionary. The rest of the day dragged when she happened to look at the clock and it was 2.22, she smiled. Okay, Dash, she whispered. Without her father near, those last number entries in his notebook felt like a message. Whenever she noticed a pattern that he'd seen too, she felt as if he knew it, like he'd left her a clue. Crimp. Mr. Wave was a different man around some. He spoke more slowly. He'd shaved and even combed his hair. It was as if he knew he had to behave more normally. Early watched and wondered. I retired early because of bad health, lung disease, and rotten knees. Then my sister and her kids needed a place to live. Her husband died and she had no income. It was like a game of dominoes. One piece fell, knocking down another. Some nodded. So sorry, she murmured. My pension is stretched to the breaking point, she was, he whispered in that gravelly voice. Otherwise, I'd try to help you more directly. But what I can do is some undercover investigating at the library. I'll pretend to do research in Dashiell's department and ask some questions. Observe, poke around. That would be wonderful, some brightened immediately. I've been dying to go in again myself, but of course I can't. 
I'm instantly recognizable. And let me tell you, it's a waking nightmare to feel so powerless, invisible, yet too visible, if you know what I mean. Mr. Wave nodded, then shook his head as if drawing tic-tac-toe boards in the air. He left without asking some if Early could come. Perhaps it was because Juby had whined, Can I go? Got lollipops there? And some had said quickly, Not this time, son. Early had to admit she was relieved. Mr. Skip Wave was overwhelming one-on-one, -on -one, and she wasn't sure she was smart enough to keep up with him. Dash, who is this person? She asked silently. When there was no response, she looked again at the new list of words. Why did Mr. Wave use such strange vocabulary around an 11-year-old? And why, it suddenly occurred to her, hadn't Dash tried to find him in recent years, especially since this teacher had helped a boy without parents believe he could succeed in the world, a boy who became a generous, outgoing man. As Dash had taught her to do, she tried spinning Mr. Wave around in her imagination, but all she could see was that black mole on his eyelid and his way of grinning and frowning at the same time. It was odd for a retired teacher with hardly any voice, but he felt like someone with deep secrets and secrets in Early's world were almost always dangerous. Crimp. At lunchtime on Monday, Early was alone again. Gulping down a sandwich in the hall, she hurried back into the library. Aisha was still out sick. Making friends at this new school, after her experience with Slippery Braid and the other girls in the cafeteria, was no longer a part of the plan. She pulled out the word book and got to work on Mr. Wave's list of six. The first three, coercion, tough spelling, complicity, and circumspect were about being forced to agree or being dominated, about working with someone else on something that wasn't right, about being cautious, thinking of consequences. Early didn't much like this pile of C words. It was too much of a wrong, right tangle. The second three were easier Glean meant something her family was already good at, gathering what's been left behind, or picking up relevant information. Glean gleamed, gentle and smooth. Faceted was what a cut gemstone was, and what made a diamond sparkle in bright light. Crimp, she knew, as Dash had added it to their automatopoeia list. While working her way half-heartedly through math problems that afternoon. She rolled the words around and around, ending up with glean, coercion, faceted, complicity, crimp, circumspect. In that order, they told a story that might explain what had happened to Dash. Her heart sank, and she knew some was right. Mr. Wave was, at the moment, their best and only hope. Dash was caught in something complicated, a mess with too many meanings for Early to sort out on her own.